you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. The Around the NFL podcast. Only starting 17 minutes late today. <laughs> From the Chris Wessling Podcast Studio, it's around the NFL. Only 15, actually. <laughs> to be precise. Yeah. My name is Dan Hansis. I got heroes here. Greg Rosenthal, Mark Sessler, Patrick Claibon. We brought in reinforcements for the Week 2 preview show. What is up, Patrick? Not much. Just glad I can be back in here with you guys. Just uh, watching the draft in person. Mm-hmm. I hope to not be as annoying during your process as I was during your process on Sunday when I'm in that newsroom screaming while you guys are trying to watch games. Oh, that's right. So. You're hosting uh, game day highlights while we're watching games. No, you're doing you, your job. Yeah. yeah. And they, plus, compared to Chris Rose, who, right. we, who you know, we're, we're fans of his work, but a booming voice that really is. You're we're, good. We're pros. Like, we understand what happens pros who are bros. In, in a newsroom. And, and you're also behind, sealed off behind glass, so you weren't as loud as you perceive yourself to be. Now, so. there's... There are some people in this building that do have a problem with Patrick Claibon because he's subversive and he wears shorts to the office, which I love. That's It's not subversive. I love it. <laughs> Dan, Dan is so prolific with his projection. I'm wearing shorts because it is hot. Like, I know, it. but... Chat doesn't it like takes, it. There are certain people... It takes the confidence like, mm, to be like, I'm wearing shorts here. Tell me not to. I long uh, rail against male fashion. But when, when Claibon goes shorts in our office, yes. it's an atypical uh, countercultural it. move. I love I, it. I applaud it. It's Namath in the white cleats. <laughs> but here, NFL Media 2022. I, I, I just I, I like to be comfortable. I, I, don't, I don't know. We love it. I love having you here, Patrick. Because when we do the preview show, it's good to have smart football people chopping up these games. And, and we got a well, nice. Why am I here then? <laughs> oh. Welcome back, Mark. Oh, thanks. We we were wondering if you came down with a case of genoitis on Tuesday. There was a no, lot I, of that talk. I uh, would not have appeared well on camera that day, I can promise. <laughs> I, I knew immediately when I told you that I was not feeling well. I was like, 
Mark's lying about this. It's like I was not. I was not feeling well. It was not. It would not have been pleasant for the viewer. I always return. I like how Dan <laughs> positions it as there was a lot of talk about genoitis. No, I'm know, sure there as was. As if it was just out there that he had nothing to I do with it. I just blocked it out. Um, Mark's back too, and that's great. So we're going to get to all the games in week two. Um, reminder, the Friday fun show, a huge hit. I mean, a lot of people talking about the Friday sh- fun show. Numbers are big. Uh, buzz in the streets. Outside SoFi Stadium, there's a crowd gathering. Uh, because they thought maybe they could get a look at us coming into the building on Friday morning. We we do it remotely. So They're a day ahead of time, like B- when yeah. BTS was here. They're lining up. It's a BTS-type thing. <laughs> um, but anyway, the Friday Fun Show, and that's a working title, will be back tomorrow morning live, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, happy hour over in U.K. and surrounding territories. And that is a streaming show where you can interact, and we're going to continue as we figure out the Friday Fun Show, how to calibrate it, and we're going to have some more, um, you know, kind of almost like mailbag questions, live streaming, grab questions, be, make that part of the show. In addition, of course, to the Thursday night football recap, Chargers Chiefs from Arrowhead. That's exciting. So um, all that coming up. But for now, let's get into the games. Anything else? Any other housekeeping? Full slate. No, I think that's good. We're also live on Sunday nights, by the way. People should check us out on the uh, the NFL app. They are now streaming the flagship show live, so we'll send out information. Watch it you can instead watch of that live if you want. Instead of Sunday Night Football, you can do both or alongside. Yeah, yeah. we can. Multi-tale. We started before, I, by the way. Instead of please, while they're still <laughs> while they're still honking and they're like trying to find something for you know Rodney Harrison and you know, yeah. Chris Collinsworth's second cousin to do. Uh, come over, come over <laughs> oh, to us. Wow, wow, that went through the shield. Nepotism watch. <laughs> NFL.com slash NFL channel, 5 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern. Streaming it live. So also on YouTube. Is it on the NFL's YouTube stream as well or no? We should work on that. Let's just get that at some point. So you, just, you just clanged. Uh, That's a good question. We will okay. find out. Jack, what a Jack Collinsworth over the head with a shovel. That It's his son, right? Yeah. Okay. But watch it on the fast channel. Or Jacques? Don't watch it on YouTube. Is it Jacques Collinsworth? Phil, Phil, it's Jack. They're, they're great. I'm oh, sure there's they're a great. Cri- oh, it's Chris Sims. It's a, lot of, it's a lot of sons. But what about the next generation of Around the NFL? Oh, the yeah. idea of Walker being in the chair. Wouldn't you be cool with that? Like, Mark goes to the wilderness for good, and there's a chair open, and Walker loves ball. I could see you coming up to me and be I, like, hey, how about Walker? We're we're working on it. Um, he did try to pick up Carson Wentz uh, in his fantasy league <laughs> while, like, problem. dropping DK Metcalf. So, mm. at this point, I think the analysis needs, like, a little more work. Metcalf did fumble on Monday night, so you can't really get too on. Yeah, so nepotism is fine if it benefits the Rosenthal family. Sure. Yeah, okay. Just to clear, just to clarify. All right. Let's get to the games. Let's start as we always do with the primetime games. Um, I don't know. Listen, I don't want to start on a, a negative note, but Packers, Bears, always. It's a, I mean, it's a rite of passage on Sunday night football. Why though? I. All right. I'm not. You know what? I'm not going to be negative. And you know why? These why are two teams that. Right now, you could say are good. Yes, the Packers lost, but we know the Packers are going to be okay. And the Bears had a nice win in their building in week one. So here we go. Hope season in Chicago against Green Bay. Patrick, um, I want to ask you, 23-7, Packers lost on Sunday, uh, last Sunday against the Vikings. Do you think we see 
a big turnaround for this offense in the game against the Bears defense that, although performed well in the rain against the Niners, certainly can be attacked. Uh, are we gonna, is that going to be the talking point coming out of uh, Sunday Night Football? Packers are back. It's not going to be that they're back, but they're certainly going to be better. Uh, when you have so much newness adjusting to a veteran quarterback that didn't play at all in the preseason, there's going to be that adjustment period. And we saw it last year, even with Devontae. They go out against the Saints team, and not saying that the 2022 Vikings defense is the 2021 Saints defense, but it's just going to be better. Uh, I mean, the, the drop, of course, uh, right off the bat changes things. Uh, Dobbs running wrong routes. They're going to get better. Um are the Bears, right? There's so much in that happened in that Bears 49ers game where it's like, what is that? Was that rain? Was that newness? Like, we just don't know, and that's that's the week one thing. But we do know Aaron Rodgers and these guys are going to get better as the season goes on. We, we know they found something in this kid Dominique Robinson, a fifth-round pass rusher, and I think that's what you got to be looking for if you're the Bears. How many young players can we find that Fluce, Matt Eberflus, knows how to use. They're, they're starting the two rookies in the secondary, including Jaquan Brisker, who was kind of all over the field last week, too. I, I'm willing to believe that the Bears' defense especially has something a little more special this year than we know. Like, I'm willing to admit, we don't know anything about this Bears team. Maybe they have a little more upside, especially defensively, uh, than we think. And I do think the Packers' offense is attackable right now. Aaron Rodgers did not look comfortable. Uh, He held the ball forever last week. And it reminded me of when he hurt his collarbone. And that was during uh, a period of Aaron Rodgers' career uh, where he was never sure what he was seeing out of his receivers, and he would just hold and hold and hold and hold. And that's not going to work with this offensive line. And so I want to see if the kind of the synchronicity is a little better this week of just getting the ball out of his hands. I mean, we see the frustrated Aaron Rodgers periodically. I, I've not seen it to the heights of last week on the sideline, just fuming, furious, and probably super frustrated with the fact that you've got Christian Watson dropping a wide-open bomb that would have been a touchdown. Plays just left on the field. He missed Devontae Adams. He missed his two tackles, too. Like, David Bakhtiari is practicing, but they showed him, and he's sort of limping around. I don't know if he's going to be back or not. I don't know how to pick these games every week because Jenkins and Bakhtiari are always, like, a huge questionable. Sounds like Lazard's probably back. They're always practicing and stuff, but then it's like they suddenly are inactive. I think that's a huge issue for them. If if his offensive line needs to be intact with all the other inexperience and X-Fact, Factors around them, especially against big time opponents. But I, I do believe they should be able to hand Chica- handle Chicago. That he's always pl- always plays tremendously well. And yes, Watson dropped that pass, and AJ Dillon got stuffed at the goal line. You know those things get converted, and that's a very different game uh, last week. So I think Packers win. I, the Vegas has this at about ten points spread. Like I, that's kind of what I see this game being. That, that sounds about right. If you remember, though, last year, the Bears played them tough in both games. It was it was close in the fourth quarter when Rodgers eventually yelled that, I own you. Uh, and then there was that wild yeah, Sunday night right. game yeah. that we watched where Justin Fields had led them to a, an early lead. I I want to see this Packers defense that we've been gassing up, though, all offseason. Like, if you're a special defense and they look like it on paper, but they didn't play like it last week— they have a lot of advantages against this Chicago offense, and they should get a lot of pressure. They should be clamp season on the receivers that the Bears have, and they should make this kind of an ugly 20-10 to 10 type of game. Ten points does feel about right. I, I, could, I could see that, and uh, that's Sunday night football. Let's now move to Monday night football. Oh, last point I wanted to make, that Matt LaFleur 
nine and zero coming off a loss in his Packers career. I mean, it's a Dang. good coaching staff. It's not just Lafleur. It's That's everybody. Um, well, not and, nine and zero off a playoff loss, but they, okay. They, they try extra hard. They lose <laughs> right and, within and the they season. Get, they get motivated. Maybe it's because they've just been good and, and they win more often than they lose, and so it's hard to find a staff. Is this an right? anti-momentum take? Right it is an bat. anti-momentum. Take. Right it's off still the bat, nine and zero. That was right nice. off the it's bat. Not, I do. I do. So think, what do we think it is? What, what do we? What, what do we think they're hard? A good coaching staff can make adjustments during the week, attack weaknesses in their game plan the week before, and correct them, and then perform better the following week. Which is, which is why they win more than they lose. Right. I, I do think there's <laughs> something nice about not losing two in a row in a season. That is, it's just like, it's good. I mean, it's it's statistically harder three, to lose two in a row, row when you're a good team. All right, let's get to the Sunday, uh, two Monday night game. Why are there two Monday night games in week two? And not Can only that, explain that they to are me? they are like dueling banjos. It's like they're on at the same time. Why, like, Why are we doing I, this? I don't understand that. You know what? I have a I have a theory that, yeah. that they had, it's part of the package. You know, ABC is getting one of these games. ESPN gets another, so it's like an extra game. Uh, but they didn't want to do it week one because they wanted everyone watching that Russell Bowl. Uh, and they were smart too. Like people loved that. They didn't want anything taken away. I don't know. Why? Like though? at a weirder time. Like that game was so good. One of the favorite games they they were gonna get all year that they didn't want to mess around with the time of it. I don't know. I don't know. Because they're both really good <laughs> games. The Monday night game. No, it, it 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 annoys me mentally because I don't want to on Monday night be tracking two games at the same time. I like yeah. the island game, not two islands. But on islands Sunday you track are... eight games at the same time. Right, so on Monday I like, so to, I, like no to, I like to shift gears on Monday. It, does, it adds a little wrinkle to the Monday Night Football recap. We'll be recapping uh, two games this week. So oh, look at you! You're gonna be all right. Graver's gonna be, you know, since there's two games at once, Graver will be keeping eyes on, on that Titans game if I if I miss. Oh, it. I yeah, think he will, will be. Yeah, yes. I think he will be. Sounds Let's like talk about the, the second half once that Eagles. Game <laughs> Let's talk about the game at 7:15 p.m. Eastern. Is Tennessee Titans 0-1 at Buffalo Bills 1-0? Oh, man. So, yeah, the the Titans loss was a tough one. Obviously, they're up. They're in control of that game. Uh, They let the Giants get back in, and then they give up the two-point conversion, and then they get into field goal range. Big bone Randy blows it. That's a tough way to start your season. And now you got to go to Orchard Park here, Mark, and you get a Bills team that was completely lights out on the Thursday night open against the Rams. Now they get extra rest uh, compared to uh, the Titans. That is kind of... Man, that's kind of unfair. I'm gonna say it so that the Bills get ten days and the Titans get four. Arthur here. Smith was honking about this too because he's in a similar situation coaching that, the Falcons against the Rams. That felt avoidable, but anyway, another advantage for the Bills. This one feels like it could get away from Tennessee as well. I want well. Tennessee has been successful against Buffalo exactly. early in the year at, at times when you thought they wouldn't be. Also, so I don't know if that carries over with this Titans offense. I I think Ryan Tannehill played well in that game last week. That was not on him. Uh, but I, I want to see, number one, Tennessee's defense that just got run over by Saquon Barkley. Can the Bills take advantage of that with Josh Allen, with their own running game? And does Buffalo's defensive mastery, I mean, the way they coached against the Rams, they absolutely knew how to blow up Matthew Stafford by not blitzing, by applying pressure. They're very deep along the defensive front. And to me, I think that's quietly their strength. We always talk about the offense, and the offense looks unstoppable to me with big plays, with Josh Allen on the ground. But can Buffalo's defense neutralize Tennessee? And is their defense... What we saw last week, if that's a week-to-week situation for the Bills, this is a very sc- scary, complete team with no overt weakness. I look at that, and that's what changed my mind about the Bills more than anything in week one, or almost about any team, that if that front line can play anywhere near that level over the course of the season, then this team 
is just different. And this Titans offensive line, I thought played okay last week. Uh, on paper, they don't look that great. Uh, as you mentioned, their offense has done great against Buffalo over the last couple of years. They've scored 76 points in their last two games against uh, the Bills. But if the Bills defense is that deep, it's like, I don't know. Good night. They're the best team in the league by far. Uh, you just have to examine like the week one situation. The Rams were having trouble running the ball in the playoffs as well. And styles make fights. It's cliche to say. But this this Buffalo Bills team is built to win all these games against these AFC teams up and down the field. But I think as far as the way that the teams are constructed, they, the Tennessee gives them problems. Right. And, but they didn't have Von Miller last year. And in didn't. theory, Rousseau and Basham are just, and Epineza are just like better. And that's a new thing to add to, oh, by the way, we have a world-destroying quarterback who at this point I just sort of assume is going to be perfect until he has a game where he isn't perfect because he's been perfect three straight games. And if you go back to that Patriots regular season game, it's like four out of five, like where he, like no one is beating him in these games. Do you want him in world-destroying mode as the team's leading rusher? Like, do you want that for 18 weeks? Is that something that you're going to be able to do? Is, like, against the Rams in the opener is one thing. Like, okay. Josh Allen playing, is it though it's the playoffs. But are you going to run him 10 times? Like, are you, is he going to be your leading rusher? I think that's who he is. But I, I think they're, they're, if you look at their big play passing game, they don't have they don't have to be that the way they had in the past. I mean, their their wideout group is so deep. There's, mm-hmm. it's like if you, if you if you cover Stephon Diggs, who has total great chemistry with him, and Josh Allen, who threw to him on the run at over 13 miles an hour, which was the fastest running delivery by a quarterback on a deep Ooh. touchdown pass in next gen stats history. Good next there gen. It is. So there you got to let you got to let Josh Allen just be who he is. I wouldn't limit him at all. This is your Super Bowl window. It's wide open. He's your dog. You got to use him. Hey, Justin. Does it annoy you? Listen, it's a 10-point spread here for a number one seed last year, of course. And does it annoy you that on a short week with the Bills with extra rest, the way the desert is saying it, the way you know the ESPN coverage and the pregame shows is all going to be about a party that's all built for the Bills to have another dominant outing as a Titans fan? Who's already got a chip on your shoulder about being overlooked and not being taken seriously? <laughs> Dan loves. It's got to be really annoying to you the way they've set this game up in the schedule. I mean, it is what it is. That's uh, part of the who are you? I tee up like that, and that's what you give me. Here's a nug for you: Mike Vrabel, as head coach of the Titans, is two and zero, including uh, regular season and postseason, when the Titans are underdogs by ten points or more. Two and zero. All right. Another good coach. Like, yeah, you could see them keeping it close. Even that game last year, they were down late. I thought there were a lot more positive things watching the Titans than I expected. I think Tannehill played well. Titans led the NFL in pass plays over 20 plus yards. Kyle Kyle Phillips is a dude. He's suddenly one of their better players. It it was the second straight Titans game where I was like, you know what? It wouldn't hurt to play Dontrell Hilliard a little more and maybe Mm. Derrick Henry a little less. But I also thought Derrick Henry looked much better than you gave him credit for on that Sunday night recap. Like he had more juice than he did in that playoff game. He was bottled up. It wasn't on him. I I think think he's running well and and that's a good problem to have, to have two good running backs. These things take time. He started that the season where he went ballistic, which I believe right. was last year, right off the bat, he had like 57 yards, and he came right back. They went right. they went to Seattle on the road. He had 182. He like looked he, hurt in the playoff game. Yeah. He did not look hurt, I, I thought, in week one. He hey, didn't no, like Derrick no. Henry. Gravedigger, when the Titans head back to Nashville for week three, do they got a win in their back pocket, or are they in desperation times? I picked against Tennessee, but I could see them winning. They can win this game. Why not? But will they? 
Yes. There you there go. Is. I like it. All right, Locking let's move up. on to, for some reason, the second Monday night football game. This one starts at 8.30. So at least you get, like, you can watch the end of the fourth quarter. It's not head-to-head straight up. There's some break in there, but still not about it. This one is at Lincoln Financial Field. This is Vikings at Eagles. Love it, Greggy. Great matchup. Vikings were, I thought, one of the most impressive uh, teams in week one, the way they kind of just took it to the Packers in the way, uh, not just uh, as we talked about, um, I think on Tuesday, or maybe it was Sunday, uh, not just that Justin Jefferson uh, did Justin Jefferson things, but how he was being used in this new offense. And everything just seems great and fresh for the Vikings right now. But now they go to Philly against the Eagles, whose offense, you could argue, looked even better, uh, albeit against the Lions. Right. I think... Both of these offenses are going to be to- so tough to stop. I probably would have picked whoever was the home team. I ended up taking the Eagles, but I feel like it's a toss-up. But to me, the reason the Eagles are so dynamic offensively, other than that line, is 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 Jalen Hurts is running. Like, yes, he's a good enough passer, but there was a play last week uh, on third and goal from the two-yard line where he should have had about a six, seven-yard loss. And there were a lot of plays like this that should have been negative plays. It should have been about a six, seven-yard loss. He's so patient, waits for people to get past him. He's great at cutting. He's great at vision. He's one of the few running backs or runners as a quarterback that I actually think could be a running back. Josh Allen would be another one. They, they're they both so naturally gifted, and they're so powerful. And he ended up cutting back, beating about four or five guys, getting it back to the one-yard line so that they could go for it on fourth and goal. And then they call his number again, and he gets a touchdown with it. And that just makes them impossible to guard when you have A.J. Brown, Dallas Goddard, and uh, Devontae Smith, who I think will be more involved. I just don't think there's an answer to stopping this Eagles offense. Yeah, and that's why I think like the box score lies, because, yes, he had 17 attempts for 90 yards, but Jason Kelsey, and his offensive line loves Jalen Hurts, because Jason Kelsey said he just bailed us out over and over. They're a good offensive line, but he was under duress, and half of those attempts were him creating plays which would have been a disaster if you had a Stone Age pony in the pocket who couldn't move. And so he adds so much versatility to that offense. But I'll tell you something. This Vikings team. Do it, buddy. This Vikings team. <laughs> I have been down on the Vikings for a long, long time. I really think when you talk about changing from Mike Zimmer to Kevin O'Connell, that the energy around this team, and they showed it last week, that you have Kirk Cousins, who was, you know, Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins, we chronicled that weekly on this show. We're, we're you know, oil and oil <laughs> and whatever. Daily. Like, yeah, they were not friends. And, like, Kevin O'Connell has put total support into Cousins, into Justin Jefferson. Cousins and Justin Jefferson are tight. It's very different than Stefan Diggs. I think this Vikings team with Justin Jefferson is basically unstoppable in a bunch of matchups. And it's why we're going to get the best Kirk Cousins season that we've ever gotten. And this I know it's a great, game. This is a great one and no type of game. I like this. Is, uh, no, Dan, I know you were a little hazy on the Vikings at the end of that Packers game, but do you not sense something a little bit different here? Cause you've long tracked the Vikings. Uh, or not. You're not going to agree. I don't know. <laughs> more than no, one week. I agree. Yeah, I agree with you that their offense. They looked, just stamped Green Bay. Uh, Justin Jefferson is specifically looked incredible in this game. I, In terms of like buying all the way in on the Vikings, I guess I need a little bit more of a sample size. But I also, you know, I picked them for the playoffs. I think they have a chance to make noise. And, and I think that should be a wake-up call to the Packers that – there's sure. a chance here. There will you will not cakewalk to another NFC North title here. I th- and going back to the Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders too being ha- healthy. I know he kind of fell off the grid a little bit last year. He was banged up. Didn't even score a touchdown. That is that's not fair with that offensive line with Hurts 
and Sanders, and then you throw in AJ Brown. We talked, we did talk about AJ Brown on Tuesday and what he's meant to that team immediately. Yeah, Eagles are a problem. And the, the downside of this game is because early season overreaction type stuff. The loser of this game is like, oh, there's problems. Oh, we believed in Kirk Cousins. <laughs> what was the mistake? Oh, Jalen Hurts yeah. long term. This isn't sustainable. Like these are two very good right. teams. And the thing that jumped out to me was if we put Jalen Rager in that game and take AJ Brown, put him back in Tennessee, the 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 Eagles lose that game. Yeah, I agree. I, I, th- I think they lose that game, and the impact that he had was just so clear and demonstrable. And I can't wait to see what he can do. With that, but credit season. to the Eagles for going and getting him, right? Because it changes their offense entirely. I would say one thing on Justin Jefferson: if James Bradbury, Darius Slay, and Chauncey Gardner Johnson and the rest of that secondary can't simmer him down, who in this league will? What matchup? Will? Right. They were a little uneven last week. They blitzed more than they used to uh, against the Lions. It didn't really work. Uh, so it was a weird. It was a weird game. Yeah. But the Vikings, if they fall down will stay aggressive. One thing Adam Thielen said that really stuck out to me is like, I've never been on an offense that just keeps attacking, attacking, attacking. And I don't think he was specifically saying we kept passing while up by two scores. That's part of it. I think he meant that you're going to look at the weakness of the other team and you're going to continue to attack that no matter what the situation, no matter what the score throughout the game instead of just sitting on leads. And and he was loving it. This Hopefully will... uh, Eagles DC Jonathan Gannon does not search his name on Twitter at any moment. No, they he's not popular right brutal. now. brutal on this guy right now. Like, mm. It is bad. Philly fans? <laughs> Who would imagine? <laughs> um, and I call this the uh, hard eyes game, uh, going back to uh, Colleen <laughs> from Tuesday. Uh, whoever wins this game, everyone's going to have hard eyes for him. Now, oh, you yeah. could say heart or hard eyes, whatever you would think. But this, this, the winner of this game is going to be like the talk of the NFL. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, maybe even old Zeuser, Tugboat himself will have him very near the top of the power rankings. Well, I had the Eagles winning the Super Bowl, so you can't. You, do it for me, Philadelphia. <laughs> I have them losing the Super Bowl, so do it a little less for me. So you have hard eyes for the Eagles, already did. The Vikings maybe will have hard yeah. eyes if they beat your beloved Eagles. Sure, sure. Hard eyes game. Who can earn Greg's heart Monday night? Cold, All right, cold. we're just getting started. We're going to start the draft. We're going to do our locks. We'll check in at the Cincinnati Zoo. All coming up next. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring – your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of it. Like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. All right, we are back. Let's go. Draft time. How did we do last week in the locks? Marky and Danny got our locks. Greggy got his lock. Gravedigger had a bad Sunday, but went home to Jessica. Yes. So it all went in the end. Winner in the end. Um, so the Wesleyan brothers pulled one. Out uh, of, uh, yes, the, the Wesleyan brothers pulled Zoo. one out of the old buttocks. <laughs> so they are one and zero. The season is off and running. So that's coming up. But let's start with the draft, and it is Greg Rosenthal kicking things off. And I'm really intrigued about this one, boys, because this see, I've never been more certain of what the first overall pick would be, given Greg's, you know, what yeah, he prefers think, in football. Yeah, you think it'd be locked in here, uh, and yet. The man was torn asunder by self-doubt as we began today. There was a last-minute change for the number one overall pick. Ultimately, I, I realized I had to take the best Tiffany, value on please. the board. That is Buck Saints first up. And that's the, of the pick that you is. thought. But there was another game that I just want to see so well, bad. it's too late now. You missed it. It doesn't Sorry. matter. Next time. The Tiffany. I mean, I it deserves it. It deserves it for a team that's, what, 7-2 and two against the Tom Brady Bucks? Thank you. That's amazing. (laughs) This matchup to me is already like so different than it has been in previous years. Like I feel I felt like I knew who the Saints were and maybe they'll prove me wrong this week. But I don't feel like I know what their defense is right now. Uh, They didn't have much of a pass rush. They were pushed around last week. They're usually a great run defense and they struggled against Atlanta. Maybe it's a one week thing. Uh, But I think this matchup against the Bucks, where they came out showing a little bit different uh, look on their offensive you know, plan and, and their game, everything with Leonard Fournette. And I think that could be a tough matchup for them that the Bucks are running the ball well. I got to see Marcus Davenport. Let's do something here. Cam Jordan get do after something. Tom Brady. Every week, every time these two teams play, the secondary of the Saints just does something special to drive Tom Brady crazy. But that was uh, a lot of players that aren't there anymore. Yeah, Marcus G-J. Williams, yeah. uh, C.D. Deuce. And it was kind of the synchronicity and the cohesion that they had on the back end. So are you still that same Saints team? If, if you are, then you win this game. But they are home underdogs despite the history. Well, the other reason that they're so different from the 4-0 record that the Saints have had against Brady the last two years is that they're now deep at wide receiver. I thought Jameis Winston in that comeback against Atlanta played the best quarter I've ever seen him play in his entire career. I mean, he was absolutely on fire. And like that pass to Jarvis Landry, the combination of the throw and the catch were completely electric. I mean, I believe in this offense. I, I, I think they worked themselves out of a jam. Atlanta, surprisingly, out of nowhere, made life very difficult for Winston. Four sacks. They rushed him and blitzed him all over the place. They found their way out of that hole. And I, I know Winston, who we long have thought of as sort of a pick six droid, 
in his last eight games, eight starts, he has a 16-3 to touchdown interception Woo! ratio. That started with Sean Payton reeling him in, but they didn't reel him in at the end of this last game. And so I think this is a better version of Jameis Winston. And, Dan, I think it goes down to that LASIK surgery that he had. Is this the man that uh, changed your opinion? On? Yes, I, I said before the show <laughs> that did. this, I this game, it, would it be was. Him. Because I long thought that Jameis Winston was someone that you could start, but he's going to cost you so many Can I so push back issues. on this a little bit? Because... Yes, he was 11 of 12 for 156 yards and two touchdown passes after he came out of the blue tent there, and whether there was a late third or early fourth quarter. That was awesome. But, you know, and it's not all on him. They didn't do anything before that. And, yes, he avoided the killer turnover, but I'm not – I still see him a little bit as a guy, as a hot and cold guy. Sometimes the offense with Jameis Winston looks great. Some Sometimes those... he goes to sleep. Sometimes he kills you with a turnover, although you're right. And that's fair. Like, this but it's is a, a different, different offense, too. That's different why it's offense, a different, different team. Different team, yeah. uh, different coaching staff. So if he could eliminate that stuff, that's always been the thing uh, I was gonna say, with the way, Jameis. The, the way know? Atlanta got to him in the first two and a half, three quarters of that game – neutralized what he could do. Then suddenly they went to sleep. I think they got tired, and he went to work. He turned electric. Yeah, it's fundamentally different when the number one wide receiver isn't Marcus Callaway anymore. Sure. <laughs> it's, it's an entirely different thing. And while the Saints defense, I don't view them as – the trade of CJGJ is still kind of questionable to me. I'm, not, I'm still wrapping my brain around why that was necessary uh, to get rid of a good player and send him to a contender in the NFC. But this Buccaneers team – as, as impressive as Julio was with his 69 yards in the opener, I, I, they don't seem as good. They don't seem as much Offensively, of a threat. Offensively, yeah. And, right. and those were exceedingly good Bucks teams that those Saints defense was beating, but I don't think they need to be as good uh, in this edition of the game. Right, but when when I watched – I was saying like I'm, I'm more down on the Saints defense, but I'm higher – I think the Saints prove more offensively in week one than almost any team just by watching – Jarvis Landry and Michael Thomas. Yeah, they fit because it, that wasn't the normal Jarvis Landry of the last two years that was playing through broken ribs and and just kind of like fighting through it. He was moving so well. Some of those throws from Jameis Winston, the touch pass he had down the sideline to Thomas. Thomas looked like a dog. So they proved a lot. They got to stay healthy. And Olave, even though he was quiet in that game, the three catches that he had, just like he looks like such a pro. They, they're going to be more explosive, and I think they're going to be worse defensively than they were. We it's going to be a different team. We haven't really talked about the Bucks so far, and, and we should because I think Larv, uh, Jarvis Landry – Great call. Looked fresh. Looked explosive, just like Julio Jones. Uh, and they're in the same boat where it's like, yeah, if this is the version they get all season. This is going to be huge. They have to prove they can stay healthy. But it's a great start in week one. And, you know, the fact that the Bucks again, now are dealing with more offensive line issues. Uh, Donovan Smith had that elbow injury. Is he playing in this game? Is well, he out? He what is not, his status here? He was at practice on Thursday. I don't know what so where we go. Beyond we that. all know Brady's a master in the pocket and everything, but you keep on taking pieces away from that line. It feels like a good opportunity for the Saints uh, to ball out and, and and create some issues for him. So, no Chris Godwin. He had a setback, a hamstring injury. It feels like a good spot for the Saints here. I kind of like him in this game. This game's too early in the season. I kind of like, like him it. in this I game. Don't, I feel like both of these teams are a little too undercooked. Kind of right like now. him in this game. Anybody else? Saints. I, I yeah. I'm with you. I think the Bucks like the, all, Mike Evans is banged up. Russell Gage is at least back, but they're they're they have issues at wide receiver. They have issues at the offensive line. Tom Brady did not look like pristine Tom Brady to me last week. I took the Bucks on uh, game picks, but I, <laughs> I could Saints. not. This was the hardest. Nice game Nice little reverse jinx by. I, it was the hardest game to pick. I thought. Uh, Mark. Second overall pick. All right. 
Um, I, I, you just took the game that I wanted. So I was quite annoyed. But with you. you also knew that probably was how that was going to end. I did. Right. I so am, what did you? What, for it, what some was your reason backup? I missed that. Yeah. My backup to me is a deep second place, but I am. I have had a somewhat of a fascination for the Arizona Cardinals, and I, I kind knew of, it. You thought you thought I would do something else. I knew else? it. I knew you have this thing with the Cardinals. It's uh, it's also to me, it's the Raiders in this because it's two the teams. The is falling right into my hands. All right. Well, I'm pick, still picking the game I wanted, but it's two yeah. teams coming off bad losses, and I just want to see like who can climb out. Because to me, if you're Arizona, yes, you can focus on the fact that the offense didn't get a lot done in that game, and I, that that I don't think Kyler Murray is a quarterback that can be a one-man band and save you alone. It just he doesn't have enough pieces around him right now. But the defense, to me was an ultra disaster. That game against the Chiefs was over in about 12 minutes. And so if you're Derek Carr, who's coming off what I thought was one of his worst games, those three interceptions, I mean, it's just like terrible decisions. He has said after he needs to not be dangerously aggressive the way he was in that game. And I agree with that. That's when you get the bad version oh, of no, Derek Carr. Does that mean we're going to get super conservative no, Derek no, Carr? No, no. I just think like if you look at his interceptions, they were just ground, bad buddy. decisions. They were bad decisions. Yeah. And so I think it's, it's cleaning that up and not taking the Raiders out of the game. He took them out of the game, and you can't do that. You, though, against Arizona can get healthy real quick. I don't see anything right now that the Arizona defense can do very well, and it starts with their secondary meet, which just were absolutely shredded, and they're not going to play the Chiefs every week. But last year when they started out 7-0 and and went to 9-2, and a lot of it was their defense. That went off a cliff by the end of the year, but they don't have any of that right now, and I also don't trust their offense or their coaching. To mm. me, it feels like I'm interested in this game because whoever loses this is dipped in total chaos. <laughs> That's what Mark looks for on Sunday. It's like a milk chocolate covering. You pick, you just get dipped in and then out in the chaos. It won't they taste go. sweet. It's the stuff from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> it just it, it makes everything go better. Cyanide. I, I'm not as ready to punt. I'm, you're not like you said. You're not going to play the Chiefs every single week. Right. You're not going to get Andy Reid and dialing. You're not going to have to cover Travis Kelsey as, as the one um, all the time. It's it's. In terms of who had the worst performance, it is the Cardinals because uh, Derek Carr is not going to play that bad. It wasn't just the interceptions. There was Darren Waller on the goal line, and he just absolutely whiffed on it. Like, he's not going to do that every single game. Um, but in terms of who is in the worst position after this one, I, I think I think this is a Raiders win. Uh, mm. It's A lot's going wrong in the desert. Can right? I tell you one thing real fast? Sure. I am so confident that it will be a Raiders win. Uh-oh. Could he? Would he? Will he? He will. He will be doing it. I'm locking it up. For the Raiders. Interesting. So you you are now of the opinion that the Cardinals are about to turn into a like a flaming turd. I'm not there. I'm not there yet because I think saying that after one week you're just turned into a sort of a fool by the <laughs> but next. But you did show. say it would be dipped in chaos. I do think the if team. they go zero and two and you've extended the coach, you've extended the GM, you've extended the quarterback, they're saying, a weird place. Our vision and who we are yeah. is going to be great for the next five or six years, and you're suddenly zero and two and look directionless. Yeah, I think that's problematic. I gotta, I gotta look it's at also, this. It's also a rough Cardinal start schedule. Schedule wise, it's like hey, these are two good teams. Yeah. They're, they're two good teams, but I mean the Raiders were barely made the playoffs a year ago is coming off a loss. If you lose this game convincingly and and there are they are significant underdogs and I and I think there's a good reason for that. And that's why I'm also locking up the Raiders. Oh. I hate it. I hate though that it, it's like Normally, I, w- I would pivot. Maybe I should pivot. It's just boring to be uh, this, uh, on the Greg same Greg is in, like, overthinking it mode. Just I know. That's right never out. good. Roll with it. Just let it flow, bro. Yeah, well, but it was my one ahead of time. And it's, it's because the Raiders are a team that I think can attack Arizona's weaknesses on both sides. I really liked what I saw out of Patrick Graham, which I think 
was an underrated hire. I think Josh McDaniels did a great job building his staff. And his defensive coordinator, Patrick Graham, did a good job against the Chargers a week ago. And he can change up the game plan from week to week. And you look at what the Cardinals struggled with a week ago, and I think they're going to blitz Kyler Murray like crazy. They're going to test the communication between Kyler and his offensive line with just – they didn't seem really ready for the start of the season. Like – the first play of the season, which I always think coaches think a lot about, was a quarterback uh, design run for Kyler where, like, everyone screwed up. The <laughs> offensive line didn't really know what the play was, and it ended up getting blown up, like, three yards in the backfield. And I was like, that's the first play? And Kyler was so uncomfortable. What? What? There, was what? A, what? there was a fourth down call in the second half. What? What? Where, what? 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 Cacophony. <laughs> where Kyler Murray, it's a fourth down call. And he looks to his primary read, who is the running back on the play. I think it was Eno Benjamin, but he stumbles. And, ding, 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 and ding, Kyler ding, Murray just sort of gets panicked and gets off that read a little too quickly, even though he was wide open. And then he just starts running around and things go crazy. And he Giant throws the ball. Wobbling around, tiny little footsteps. I feel like he doesn't see the field sometimes. And that can be it could be the height thing a little bit, but he just missed open reads. I mean, too. Like, like Derek Carr, he made about four or five throws in that game. That It's one thing to have a bad game when you're not a good quarterback. When these guys have bad games, he had four four or five gems. So did Derek Carr in his game, too. And I think Kyler Murray will be fine, but I do not think the Cardinals' defense will be fine. No. I do not think the Cardinals' offensive line will be fine. And I do not think it's fine. Greg Dorch is their number one Dorch. receiver right now in Arizona. Um, Mark, I'm going to ask you. Sure. You asked me, Josh McDaniels, like, what did he look like on the sidelines week one? Did he look like his brain was melting? And I didn't know. I was flummoxed. Did you take away any Josh McDaniels' sideline takes when you rewatched the game? They don't do that in condensed. You don't oh, see you that on, get the, it. on that 40-minute right. version. But I, I don't think Something that was to keep a, an eye on wasn't here. a big narrative. I mean, he, I don't remember that as much as, as, as other instances. All right, let's now move to my pick. I will go with ooh, Dolphins Ravens. Dolphins Ravens. That, that was the one I was going to take one overall. I, in my heart, sense. I think I want to watch that game even more. But it just didn't feel right. You got to take value. It's a good game. It's a it's going to be a fun game to watch um, because obviously the Ravens. I'm I'm thinking the Ravens. You imagine are feeling pretty good about themselves right now. They they've started the new season. They wiped away all the ugliness of the way things went last year with all the injuries and the meltdown down the stretch. They get the win win where Lamar doesn't need to be running around a lot. You know he has it in his back pocket whenever he needs it, but actually use the passing game to, to wipe out the Jets by the end of the third quarter. Um, so you have them feeling good about the passing game, I imagine. Uh, the defense put the clamps down on old friend Joe Flacco, who is you know the epitome of the Stone Age pony. Uh, in the NFL right now. I mean, he is the Stone Age pony. He is. Like, he's that dude. Now, Tua's not that dude. I'm not saying Tua's, like, the most explosive athlete with his legs, but he can move around. He can make things happen. And I just – the reason I – so the Ravens side, I'm excited to see them build off week one. Are they going to – are they going to be a team that's like 4-0 in October? I can kind of see it. The Dolphins, I want to see more because, yes, they controlled that game against the Patriots, but obviously New England is in a, a bad spot right now offensively. And, um, you know, I know the Tyreek Hill stuff was good in week one, but you got the late first half touchdown to Jalen Waddell. Other than that, it was a 20-point outing for Miami. Can they hang? Can they stack some points, uh, Claybon, against a good defense like the Ravens? I think they absolutely can hang and they can stack points. I'm picking Baltimore in this game. Probably some homerism involved in that because I do think that the the, uh, Dolphins are a better team. Uh, But I looked at last season's game. The Ravens are your favorite team. They are. They are my favorite team. They're my favorite player. 
I got to meet him this summer. That was fun. That was cool. Cool <laughs> moments and stuff. Um, Very nice. But the just being ready for them to go all out. You know, Brian Flores is gone. Uh, I, I don't know if they're going to have the same exact game plan, but they do need to be ready. And last week's game against the Jets reminded me of the things that Baltimore wasn't able to do um, in that game. The thing that jumped out to me was there was a, a blitz in a early game situation, and uh, Lamar put a ball towards the goalpost. Sammy Watkins kind of pulled up on it because he would have smashed into the goalpost and then that was it there were no more deep shots the rest of the game was just Lamar getting brutalized blitz after last blitz year after against blitz. the Dolphins yeah that was saying, last year yeah. against the Dolphins things have changed they, they got new coaching staffs there but I, I think last week against the Jets um the amount of times it's just deep shots which was really the offense it was those three deep shots um shows that things are different things are different now Greg Roman I hope yes be well, different well, Not we'll see. Same. I think we'll see. <laughs> I think this is the perfect game for it because the Dolphins have the same defensive staff with Josh Boyer. Uh, they have the same players for the most part. They blitz the hell out of the Patriots and confuse them. And so this is it. I think the, the Ravens saw the schedule. Not that they weren't going to change their offense anyways, but it wasn't just a one-week problem that the Dolphins exposed in the Ravens coaching staff. Uh, in Greg Roman, in Lamar Jackson. They never really were able to adjust. Now, there were injuries, and Lamar handled the blitz great throughout his career until last year, but it was a problem that continued. So this is a litmus test, and I think some of the things you saw Baltimore do last week, to me, um, is a sign of change. They were running a lot more under center. This is the heaviest pistol shotgun team in the league by far over the last five years, and they were playing some more traditional under center football. They were doing some zone running, which maybe takes advantage of, of Linderbaum, their rookie uh, offensive line. It didn't really work that well against the Jets, to be fair, their running game. But I think they were trying to like diversify the offense so that they're ready for a game like this. And it's one of the reasons I'm, I'm excited to see it. I want to see if J.K. Dobbins, who's been practicing this week, and according to beat writers, looks really good. I think that matters because you know, we know what the Ravens. I think they still want to be a team that can dominate on the ground. I, and you, you if it's they a need quarterback, to be. they need right. to be. And they weren't last week. They're, it was one of their more putrid running performances in a long time. I do think Miami and the way that Miami. they dominated New England. I mean, the blitz they made life so did tough. They, on though? Mac like after I watching that, I was a little. I mean, I their defense they pun- they was punished. good. That's kind of where I am. At. Miami. I thought they punished Mac Jones. Tua, like Tua, for instance, had just the same game he always had. So there was no difference in that. I'm saying their defensive, better offensive line against okay. Mac Jones. Like, made, yeah, that's fair. They, so they won that game up for. They for certainly won that game. I, the question is, is, like, what does that mean? At this stage of the where the Patriots are in the season, how impressive was it? How would that hold up against a better offense? That's why I am locking up the Baltimore Ravens. Ooh, uh, they will be two and zero. They will be another team that's going to be a buzzy near the top of the power rankings type team after this performance. Because I don't know. I know you always say it. And maybe you're right, Greg. Like I just don't. I'm not feeling the Dolphins. I, I always say I don't what? trust. You know, I'm a whole, I'm an anti-Dolphins oh. guy because I'm. I like this the was going to be my lock. So if you're yeah. looking for disrespect, Dolphins, like I was. This is a close one B here. So we're disrespecting yeah. your team. Yeah, I mean, show show us something. <laughs> show us that you are legit. That all this hype in the summer. You go to Baltimore and you hang it on Lamar and company. And get out of there two and zero with wins over the Pats and Ravens. Oh yeah, there's going to be some humble pie devoured by old Zeuser and even Greggy. Yeah, I'll eat it. Uh, quickly, give him a little, give him a little taste. You mentioned Dobbins might be back. Ronnie Stanley is practicing. Marcus Peters Huge. is practicing. And weirdly, they didn't play Nick Boyle uh, last week. You almost got the sense it was like. 
the the Ravens were they're easing into the season, but if they get those three or four guys back, that's a different team than played. But against if they the don't Jets. have Stanley, Juwan James is his backup got they're, hurt, yeah. and then you're down to your third guy. That is a problem against Miami's defensive. All right, front. and just to put a cap in this conversation, Patrick, the Ravens are your favorite team. You said you got to meet your favorite player. What was it like meeting punter Jordan Stout, and what was it about him that you were yeah, so he's taller than I thought by. he was going to be in person. And when your name is Jordan, it, there's this there's this mystique that comes with that. Of course, right? for, for people of our age, naturally, and, and I took that personally, right? And so he 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 was a motivated guy, and I appreciate the things that he brings. I don't want to see him kick at all. All right, my second snake, Falcons Rams, and you know, good for the Falcons. I don't, I'm not buying on the Falcons. And I, I knew I knew you would not be. I certainly. I mean, why? How could you? I. I how could you? Because I, this just trails back to last year. I think you've got two Arthur Smith apostles here, and you've sort of never really. really been, You're an I, Arthur Smith apostle. I think now? he's a good, good coach. I okay, listen. That was a nice start to that game, but that was one of the great hatchet choke jobs uh, in a week one that I've ever seen. Up twenty to three in total total control of that game. Um, no, not that It was what was it? Twenty. What was? 26 to 10 with 26 10 to 10 left. with 10 minutes to go and you can't close the game out and uh here's why I don't I don't like what I saw from the Falcons other than the great start was like Mariota was right at the center of the meltdown I mean with the turnovers in that game um I just I hated it and I think it's a bad spot for them right now because even though the Rams have their own issues um I think this is going to be a game where listen Patrick I think they're going to be pissed I think they're going to be annoyed. I think they're going to say the Rams. Yeah, yeah, we got we got our ass kicked in prime time on Thursday night <laughs> to start the season, and that's a bit of a wake up call. And we are going to identify what we struggled with, and we're going to take it out on the poor Falcons who went from having a win over their most hated rival, uh, flying into Week Two against the defending champs, to all of a sudden potentially this turning into a turkey shoot. I think this could get ugly. Ooh. Don't don't come to Claybon with the with the they're gonna try harder this week analysis. He's gonna swat it right down. I'm not, I'm not who said who said they're gonna try harder? He didn't say. It. Who said that? Just that they'll be like extra motivated no, this the, week. The that thing, they wouldn't be. I think it's fair to say gonna, they're agitated. Is motivation yeah. real too? Uh, somebody's got to clear no. up these things to me. Dan, I is, Dan is saying the Falcons are not that good. Uh, Dan which is, is a fair had, point. They, they had an opportunity to beat a team that they're a rival with. And I'm not I'm not saying that Marcus was dribbling the ball out of bounds. They they did have. A, uh, there was that turnover. Then Jameis came on, um, and some of those young throws were truly great throws. Yeah. So they they were in the game, it, just in typical Falcons fashion. It was a heartbreak. I mean, botching the snap at midfield with a chance to run out the clock. Mariota, I mean, that can't happen, dude. You got to step up and make a play in that spot. So, yeah, I just I'm a little annoyed by that performance and how how you could truly blow a game at that level. I think they're a tough team to prepare for with Drake London now really looking like he's going to be a legit quality starting receiver from the jump. It's just a lot of different formations that Arthur Smith can get into. I'm not really sure what to think about the Rams defense after one week. I, I do give them a bit of a pass because they were playing the Bills, but I also don't expect them to be a top five defense. I think 10 points is way too much. I'm loving the Falcons here uh, to cover the spread. Well, the, so Joe Nopum hmm. has a sprained MCL. That's not good news. I mean, he got jobbed and worked over against Buffalo as yeah. well. I, I, I'm not throwing that game out against the Bills. I think it's, it was a litmus test, and the Rams were not outcoached, number one. I think that's why they're going to be agitated, Dan. Sean McVay takes this stuff so personally, and it happened on national He said it. He said I, I was I, humbled. I, we weren't ready to play. I do think yeah. that they're going to come out as prepared as possible. They use the same 
uh, personnel grouping on every single play last week. And I think you've got to show a little more. That's what they are, but you've got to show a little more versatility. The run game did not exist. If this is a, if there's one may, maybe way into this is that Dean Pease and what he did against Jameis Winston was constant blitzing. That's, that's who that's, that's who Dean that's Pease who he is. is, right? And that's not. And we, I mean, I'm so tired of this metric on Matthew Stafford. But if you blitz him, he does better. It's like so you've got to do what the Bills did. And I don't know if the Falcons defense can do that. And suddenly, can AJ Terrell in the secondary yeah. deal with Cooper Cup? Is Allen Robinson getting more involved in this game? I just would like to see a little bit more there because he was he was a non-existent thought, ghost in that opener. Um, Josh Norris. Who's Josh with now? He's with Underdog, Underdog. Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy, which is a great uh, product. I was watching some of their uh, stuff this He's week. He's in all sort of national ads, too. Um, uh, he he kind of threw it out there in their YouTube streaming show where they go through each team. He's like, is Allen Robinson washed? I was like, that felt that strong. But he was completely out of his depth. And he, and he pointed out that Robinson didn't seem – when you study the film to really have a strong grasp on the offense, the way he was um, running his routes and the way that that game played out, which I thought was interesting. Um, so keep an eye on Robinson if, if, cause it made sense and we were gassing him up all summer. Right. All I summer specifically, long, these reports yeah. coming from camper that he looked like a demo. Jordan Rodriguez, who, Rodrigo, who covers the team for the athletics said that people were coming up to her and, and just saying like, unbelievable. This Alan Robinson. Yeah. It's kind of an important game for him. And you mentioned Joe Nopum. Uh, his backup is second-year undrafted free agent A.J. Jackson. And we should mention they lost their starting center so. for two to four weeks. Uh, he finished the game out uh, for the Rams, and then we found out after the game he had been playing through an injury. So that offensive line is a concern. Yeah, let's chill. Let's chill on, on washing Allen Robinson here after, okay. after one. They're not going to play, yeah. they're not gonna play the, the Bills every week. It, it's not going to be Von Miller against the – maybe injured Joe Noteboom uh, over and over again. It makes sense that he it's, should have a big game here. Yeah. If he well, doesn't, also there's going to be some concerns to Allen Robinson. I like got to say, though, Arthur Smith being that up. angry after the game and saying how, oh, you wrote, us, you wrote us off in May. You can write us off going into this week. They got the extra rest. Like, continue to do it. Uh, just a little bit of me believes in the Falcons more because of that. I don't I, know I why. Agree. I'm with it. I'm, I'm not calling it. them a playoff team, but we were <laughs> saying fine. they were going to be like a top two pick. They're I not just that mean kind they'll like lose this game by six points or eight points, and they'll they'll get they'll yeah, get McVay you know, a little anxious. You know what team I I truly had no respect for the 2021 Falcons. This one I'm open to them right. being wow, improved. No that team won seven yeah. games though with nobody. Yeah, but if you watch again, you knew that was a bad team. That was a bad Falcons team last year. This I, team, we'll see. I, I don't know I, who's I'm probably being more too far on my end of the spectrum. <laughs> right. I think you are too. <laughs> they were 32nd in DVOA and managed to win in seven games. So that was seemed Good a little coaching. fluky. Um, all right, let's take a break and we roll on with the draft. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest 
Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think. Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. All right, we're back now. Now. Now we go back to Mark Sessler, who I know he's this. This is the prime Sessler spot where he's like, what is a fast game? What's a blowout? What's a bad Let game? What's a bad game where I could check a box and kind of keep an eye on it, but, but also really know what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, watch the Browns. So it's going to be an early game. Okay, what do we got? Bengals or Cowboys. Okay. All yeah. right. Hey, listen, that's a late game. That does meet those criteria. But it does feel like a, a gnarly wait a blowout. Minute. Hold on. That's a disastrous <laughs> move by me because I've already taken a late game. That's okay. You could have two late games. Just don't get a third. All right, I'll go, I'll go Bengals with Dallas. I expect this to potentially not be close. Uh, I want to see how the Cowboys try to handle themselves on offense because I, when Cooper Cup came into that – yeah. sorry, uh, okay. Rush came in, like it, to me, that thing got even worse than it was with Dak Prescott. What are we expecting, though? Like, what If they don't move the ball, does that mean the Cowboys have bad coaching or bad – like, what does it mean? I don't know if there's I assume much they're going to struggle here. I don't know if here. there's much you can take from it, but would you maybe use, like, Tony Pollard a ton along with Zeke Elliott and just run the ball nonstop and not put it in your backup quarterback's hands? I, I just think the Bengals' defense is strong. It's, it's all your same personnel from a year ago. You want to talk about a team that's agitated. It's the Bengals right now. And this is a – now the, the Cowboys that, you know, if things have been different, this would have been a challenging game for the Bengals. I'm seeing people all over the place saying – quietly saying, I think Dallas could pull this one out. Who? I guess Who? I have seen little, like, just on Twitter, little Let's people some Stephen popping Jones? up about this. Not Stephen Jones. <laughs> not Jones. Like, if, like, if, if your their de- their the defense could attack Cincy's <laughs> offensive line, which did not Miniature look good. people. Okay, but yeah, on, on paper, the, the Cowboys defense, defense right. versus the Bengals, yeah, maybe you can get after Joe Burrow. Little tiny people. Like, I, I, I did not like that Zach Taylor was in the position of – kind of explaining away the sex. Well, some of them were on Joe and some of them. And if you're going to, and he was like, if you're going to have 94 plays and that was the most offensive plays any team's had in 20 years, you're going to have a lot of sacks. And I was thinking, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And then I thought, wait a second. He got hit like seven times in the first quarter. He, he got sacked in, in, in pressure up the middle, leading to interceptions all early in that game. They were getting dominated. So don't tell me about the 94 snaps. It's oh. a problem. And the yeah. Cowboys are well positioned to, to make that a problem, but you got to, 
play on both sides, and it doesn't really. There's no reason no, to think this if is If the Bengals even. lost this, I mean, we were talking about an epic disaster for the defending I, Super Bowl losers. I love Joe Burrow in this game, and I'm still very concerned about this Cincinnati offensive line because, and Greg, you've said this in the past, like, it's very, it's a very true thing. When teams uh, devote a lot of resources or draft picks into offensive line in the spring, there's sometimes this tendency to be like, that's fixed now. Okay, great. But that offensive line was not fixed against Pittsburgh in week one. And that doesn't mean the offensive line is bad still, but it means right now it's still not holding up. And the Cincinnati Bengals, this guy is so special and so fun to watch, Joe Burrow. They are playing with fire. They already got his knee blown out once. They're getting him beat up. He limped off the field in Super Bowl 56. He got beat up in week one in his third season. You got to protect this kid before it ruins your season and maybe his career. Um, That said, I expect Joe Burrow in Dallas. He's a prime. He's a money player. He loves the spotlight. He's got charisma for days. He's going to go off and destroy the Cowboys. Aren't we a Minka Fitzpatrick blocked extra point away from saying that Joe Burrow went through a nightmare and because he's Joe Burrow found his way out of it and helped the Bengals win a game. I still feel that. I do too. I think he showed that. He he didn't blink. And that's the the thing about having Burrow and Chase on this team is they're not out of it. They can score T. Higgins had a concussion in that game and I think really hurt them and he might not be back for this week. But Joe was rusty. Joe, and, and that's just a horrible defense to face in week one, uh, being rusty, not necessarily be on the same page, having to get a new offensive line to play together. It's just a horrible situation in week one. The Cooper Rush isn't scaring anybody. The fact mm. that Dak goes down and our thoughts about the Cowboys instantly is like, oh, they're, they're going to be and picking Cooper Rush, top five. Yeah. Cooper Rush is scaring Jerry Jones probably. <laughs> and he's going to affect the defense too, and it's not Cooper Rush's fault. He's Cooper Rush, but they're going to be on the field constantly. You imagine Dallas's defense is going to be a victim of Dallas's offense, and that's kind of how I see this game playing out. And that, that's what happened last week. Right. It, like, early last season, we had this conversation, and Nick was involved in it, Nick Wesseling, Phil Wesseling, that, like, with some defenses, when they have some juice to them, and I see it with the Chargers so far, when they got a little juice to them, like, the whole season, like, the energy, everyone's just getting crazy, and they're, they're all working really together. You can tell. And the Bengals' defense had that early last year. We were like, ooh, this Bengals' defense could really be something. Now they're in phase two, Dan. Mm-hmm. They're like us as a podcast. This is my official pros who are bros defense oh. of the year. <laughs> okay. They just, like, all have played together. They know what they're doing. They're not going to give up any stupid plays. They've been to the Super Bowl. They are pros who are bros. Pros who are bros do not let Cooper Rush beat them. That's for sure. I, I'm totally with you. And if this was in the lock zone, I would do it. But it's not, so I won't. All right, two <laughs> picks a- for Greggy. I'm taking Gino. Of course I <laughs> Boom, am. there it is. I mean, that we was, left that for you. That was the game I needed to take. Yeah. Uh, the Seahawks getting crazy disrespected. Nine and a half point underdogs after the Rainmaker came through. Didn't mention that on Tuesday's show, by the way. They covered or that Monday six show. and a half. Uh, I did mention it. Yeah, Monday I thought, night. you know, I'm, we I'm gave, you, we gave you about 70 minutes of back padding Mark, for that. Well, <laughs> I, I somehow was not at that show. Yeah, Mark uh, <laughs> hasn't heard either one. No, I've I heard. wanted to let him know. Uh, I do think that's crazy, though. I think it's I think it's crazy for the Seahawks to be that big of an underdog. I know there could be a little bit of a letdown in terms of just the emotion. You're on the road now, and it's a short week. Uh, and the 49ers pass rush is going to get after Geno Smith, who was the number one quarterback in the NFL uh, in terms of EPA versus pressure last week. He, he handled pressure very well. Uh, it's going to be tougher against this 49ers team. But the reason why it's 
so disrespectful too is Pete Carroll owns Kyle Shanahan. Mm. He's won four in a row against him. He's eight and two, I think, overall. There's something He's won that, four in a row against him with Russell Wilson as his quarterback. I get it, but there's something about this matchup. Those weren't all great Seahawks teams that between special teams and between being able to consistently move the ball against this 49ers defense. And I think what Geno showed is he can move the ball. There's going to be a lot of long field goal drives. I think there's going to be a lot of shortening of games. That's what Pete Carroll likes. And I think this is going to be a, a, a close game. It's hard to, for me to see the 49ers as some 10-point favorite world destroyer. I'm right with now. you. I like th- To me, the Seahawks, what happened against Denver is exactly what Pete Carroll wants every one of these Seahawks games to be. And I'm less concerned at this point with the idea that it's uh, Geno Smith versus Russell Wilson, because Gino, bottom line, played really well, and I think that's who he is and who he can be. They wrote me off. I ain't right back, though. That's right. I'm that's more, the problem. I ain't I'm, right back. Let's go. I'm more concerned with, with Trey Lance. I, like mm. I, He got outplayed by Justin Fields. He, he's going to do a couple things every game that are fascinating, but to me, just I'm not sure he's able to run this offense or if inside the Niners organization how much rope he has to do it. And it's meant there is an 84% chance of rain at, this, at the time of this broadcast to tumble down like it did last week on Trey Lance, and he did not make the plays in that game. I mean, he didn't, but I, I, I just can't put anything away. into that game. That's I, just because I, you we look literally at, can't see it. How about this? How about like like the the entire month of August too, where he's up and down? I am I go Trey Lance stand. Like I want him to succeed, and I think he does. Again, so then give him a chance. I am giving him a chance, but I'm, I'm he did not Let's play well play. in that. I'm looking forward to quarterbacks this game. have to play in the ring. Like you got to be right. that, That's different. What happened in week one in Chicago right. is right. an but outlier. Someone in terms went of... through like all the Shanahan heavy rain games and, you know, Garoppolo's stats and all those games were almost identical. That's what happens when you play in a crazy monsoon. Game. I, I think I'm with you that if if Trey Lance struggles and they lose again, there the whispers are going to start. But I'm willing to give him the opportunity here to hold show. On, hold on, hold on. I'm what? not not giving him the opportunity. Like I don't want to go down that road where it's like a. I'm just saying that was more. You're scenario. coming from more of a pessimistic uh, a I, viewpoint I on him. I was extremely high on him a week ago, and now I'm just. But like, then I'm just not give sure. him some chances because that game. I'm giving him a chance. I'm not going to not allow him to play. He's going to have a chance. The last to play. six minutes of that game, when the rain picked up again, they could have had Jerry Rice, Joe Montana. <laughs> The Rathman, let's get John Taylor on the field, Brent Jones. I don't get Steve Young in there just in case, and they're not scoring any points. I think they will. I think Kyle Shanahan and Trey Lance and this game, this team is going to go off against Seattle. Hmm. I, I think it's we, another blowout. Hmm. I thought we were about to blowout. get a lock there. I, I already did it, it. It's not in the lock <laughs> zone, actually. It's it's too. They're too heavy a favorite. And also, Seattle had no business winning the game on Monday night. So why am I? That's the what the Pete Carroll game is getting two fumbles at the one yard line and a coach meant meltdown at midfield. They also got stopped at fourth and one at like the five two though. So if we're if we're taking hypothetical points away, well, from you the, know, Broncos, the quarterback Geno Smith. I I think the conversation about Trey Lance is going to dial up and we're going to get more Jimmy G cutaways, but I don't think that changes things inside the facility in Santa Clara. Like, they've gone down the road with Jimmy G. They've seen what the peak is with Jimmy G. We're nowhere near it with Trey Lance. So I think they're going to be able to stay through, even if this is a loss. Um, we're we're going to get we're gonna get plenty of Trey Lance. If they're one and four, I'd be concerned. He's a gigantic human being. Greg. Snake. All right. Uh, I got to take Commanders Ooh, and Lions as my game. Uh, I think they'll be fun. Yowza, canowza. I'm kind of Didn't in. Didn't sound super confident. <laughs> Lot of Commanders in Washington, like, D.C. I want the in Patriots the Patriots as my backup game? I don't really. Uh, I think this Commanders team has some juice to it. Maybe I'm uh, 
a little too into Scott Turner and I always thought like that the Scott Turner's a little underrated as a play caller. But I got to say, I don't know if this Lions defense is ready for what Scott Turner is bringing. <laughs> Look, it seems crazy, right. but Curtis Samuel seems to unlock all things Scott Turner. It's like that's Scott Turner's binky. And he was so creative with how you use Samuel and Gibson, two guys who can both play running back and can both play receiver. And it was flummoxing the Jaguars in uh, their coverage. Like they were getting Antonio Gibson wide open open as a receiver. Similar to what I saw out of Landry and Michael Thomas for the Saints last week, the way that Curtis Samuel and Antonio Gibson looked in week one changed my mind a little bit about the commanders. For now, we're at peak Samuel. He's making people miss. He made a lot of key first downs, even though he didn't blow up like for fantasy. He really kept that offense going. And Gibson was running hard. He was running like he was as a rookie. He's so dynamic. Suddenly, Terry McLaurin has all this help. Jahan Dotson's got the strongest hands known to man. Like, he, he's catching his touchdown pass in midair, and then he's putting the ball away, switching from right to left hand to tuck it away so they can't knock it out while he's in the air. This is a rookie. Like, I know it's Carson he's Wentz, but I think it's a dangerous <laughs> offense for a bad Lions defense to go against. I, I think this is a fun team. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm buying on the commanders being frisky offensively this year. I thought that was a possibility in August. And then after seeing Dotson play in a game that counted, it's like, okay, okay, he's going to be a guy this year. He's going to be a playmaker. We know McLaurin. McLaurin got wasted in some ways last year because they had no help around him in addition to the quarterback issues. Now he's got a legitimate dog. And then you got Samuel, who was completely forgotten about last year with the injuries. Okay, and they're always going to be up and down because the quarterback's always going to be up and down, Patrick, right? But if they end up competing this year, it's because this offense does score points and the defense, especially when it gets healthy with Chase Young, keeps them in some games. Yeah, and I I agree. I was surprised with how well the commanders played. Uh, It didn't move me enough. Uh, to, to think about the long-term capabilities okay, of the Commanders' wins team. I'm taking the Lions uh, in this one, especially uh, at home, be, because I was impressed with what uh, Golf and company, especially that offensive line, did in week one. And I saw the, the like, echoes of the winsoning, right, that the pick to Trayvon Walker, there were some, a couple of other plays where it's like, oh, it's, it's still Carson. Things could go super sideways at any given moment. I'm, I'm taking the lines. Of this I think the doorway in for Detroit is if you go look at what the Jaguars did on the ground against Washington, like their defense to me run wise is vulnerable. And, and this is the, this is the Lions strength. If they can control when they when the Lions are good, they'll have those nine, 10 play drives where the run game controls it. And you're not having a Jared Goff mistake. I thought he played well down the stretch. He had some mer- terrible moments in that in that fair against the Eagles as well. But Detroit, to me, if they can win up front and run the ball, they have a chance. But they lost w- Vitae for the season, which seems like a big loss because his replacement really struggled last week at guard. They ran it, you mentioned, well on that first drive, De- uh, DeAndre Swift after contact. Dan, don't you think this is kind of a sneaky big game for Dan Campbell? This is one of the reasons why I took it. Yeah. I actually think this is a... Uh, one of the bigger week two games, at least for these two teams. Like, the Commanders could get out to 2-0. and Man, that'd be big for them. And the Lions, I, I don't know. 0-2 at home is a, would be a rough rough yeah. start here. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. I see that. You know, when we did the hot butts talk, I put him in the higher tier because I thought once this, like, the buzz around hard knocks and the summer dies down, he still needs to show that he can lead this team out of just being a doormat and – 
again, at a certain point, and he even said it to his credit, Campbell, after the game, like just being close at a certain point is not going to be good enough. We need to start taking some of these games. And their defense needs to show that they can, if the offense does score, they can get a shutdown. They can get a stop on the next possession, which is so important because their first two touchdowns last week uh, immediately were followed by Eagles touchdowns. And it's like, that's kind of like in, in baseball, a shutdown inning by a pitcher after you score in the top of the inning. Like, you need that those type of things to get better and improve and win games. Detroit's defense needs to make plays. I'd say one thing. Like, and Dan Hutch, Campbell Hutch was very quiet in that game. Dan Campbell mentioned this. Tough it, matchup, that, though. like, you're dealing with Jalen Hurts, and they, they were not prepared for that. You're not dealing with Jalen Hurts on the ground this time around. All right. How about Mark with his third pick? All right. I'm going Patriots at Steelers. Um, again, I'm married to the concept of team in chaos and where will we be after week two? I, like that Patriots offense, I, it's, it's becoming um, almost annoying to talk about the fact, but they do look disorganized to me. I feel like they are a team that I don't know who's coming up with the game plans at this point, but they basically ditched play action, which is really good for Mac Jones. And to me, Mac Jones, like I, I'm doing the QB index. It's like it's a tough watch and tough to figure out where to put him because you want to isolate his play versus the environment he's in. But I just feel he's going to tumble down and down those rankings with what the Patriots have around him. I'm not like I like I'm not pulling the panic lever yet. But I can think of Believe any a- any offense in the league where there's just been so many summertime red flags followed up by what we saw against the Dolphins. I, I, to me, that's concerning. I don't know how they fix their issues. I think this was a brutal schedule uh, for the Patriots to start the season. Not that the Dolphins and Steelers are so great, but that you play a team in Miami led by a former Patriots assistant, Josh Boyer, who knew exactly what to do and lit them up with blitzes. And now who do you go play? Brian Flores, right. who is, by all accounts, much more than a linebacker's coach. Uh, he's essentially like a quasi-defensive coordinator, assistant head coach, and will be absolutely influencing this game plan. And what they're going to see on tape last week was an offensive line for New England, which has so long been a strength. And I think that's the number one problem of what they've done changing schemes is that you took a strength and you made it into a weakness. And I think they're going to test the communication. Mac Jones is out here trying to like get everything set and then it's not set and people are doing the wrong thing. And Trent Brown, who is weirdly kind of the bellwether for this entire Patriots organization. When Trent Brown is right last year, it's like you win eight straight. When Trent Brown is a mess, like he's been this offseason and week one and and there's all sorts of things. And when he got hurt last year, then they stink. You've said it all. Stink, stink, stunk. All right. No TJ Watt. No TJ Watt. That's he big. is being moved to injured reserve. That means he's Alex out at least four though. games. Alex My- he can he can create damage. Could me could miss as much as six, but they are avoiding surgery or hoping to. They need him. Okay. Mitch Trubisky. Show us a little more, Mitch. What was the Mitch thing? Mitch was like, I need to have a killer instinct. Well, all right. Week one would have been good for that as well. They had nine first downs when regulation ended, which would have been by far the lowest. What are we expecting? You want to talk about, like, banging drums. If Kenny Pickett's practicing well and looking good, like, what are we waiting for, Steelers? If this is going to be what the offense is week to week. Does Tomlin wait for a loss to do that? If if the defense is carrying them to consecutive wins with Mitchell Trubisky, is Tomlin the type of person that's going to go ahead and make the switch? I think it would have to be a loss. There's all this report reporting that Tomlin wants to stick with Trubisky all season long no matter what. Like, even that touchdown pass to Najee Harris was late. Like, Najee was open instantly off the snap. It was a lot of Mitch just kind of running around and making it up as he went along and on some throws out of bounds. That said, you do got to point out the throw he made to set up the game winner was like 
an incredible catch by Deontay Johnson? It was incredibly lucky, <laughs> and it was incredibly Mitchy, but goddamn, it, it did win them the game. He and Pat Fryermuth have a nice connection. And you know, maybe this is going to be a part of the honeymoon wearing off, but you know that um, Mike Tomlin and Matt Canada, they're like, God, it's so nice to have a quarterback that can move. So maybe there's still there's a little bit of a uh, honeymoon still in, in attack, and they need to lose some games before they do that. I'm an with, actual I, I hear chair is more mobile than Ben, so like it was going to be an upgrade no matter what. All right, uh, let's see. I got two picks here. You know what? There's a game I want to take an early game, but it would mess up with my viewing schedule, mm. so it's going to work out for one of you guys. So I will go with uh, Jets-Browns here. Um, I do want to uh, listen. What are we talking about? You want to watch? You, what you're gonna not watch the Jets? No, there was another one. There was another <laughs> oh, okay. early game that I wanted. Gotcha. That that is more compelling to me. But uh, I will be watching Jets Browns. Browns. We talked. I was, you know, of course, Cade York went straight from the nursery to the Kickers Club on Tuesday's show. That that's a weapon for them. I thought there was a little too much um, uh, hate on the Browns' ability to be a team that could hang around this season until Watson gets there when you have that dynamic uh, duo in the backfield. And we saw it there with Kareem, you know, Kareem Hunt doing his thing and Nick Chubb being Nick Chubb. I don't know how the Jets or any defense isn't putting 11 men in the box. Damn, bring somebody off the bench and see if you can get away with it. Put 12 in the box because Jake Brisket. <laughs> Just literally leave like Cooper and Peoples-Jones alone on the outside. They did, they did that on a couple of plays. And, and it didn't work. And the Browns still didn't connect. And Omari Cooper, you know, he's happy he's not in Dallas right now. But I'm sure right now he's not feeling too hot about being in Cleveland. But that's they can win if they have the pass rush and they could get stops on defense and run the ball and have an imaginative game plan from that side of things. And Stefanski can do it. Now, on the Jets side of things, can I hear – let me hear Salah um, speaking to the media this week. We're all taking receipts on all the people who continually mock and, and say that we ain't going to do anything. I'm taking receipts, and I'm going to be more than happy to share them with all of y'all when it's all said and done. Okay, that's that's great, Robert. Um, but like I said on Sunday night, we're past receipts. I want results. Results beat receipts. Can I hear a little more from Salah because I'm starting to get a little nervous about this situation? Yesterday, in my opinion, we did not get beat. We lost. Uh, and they're two totally different things. And, um, you know, you just look at it, just felt like we were the faster team. We played with a lot of speed and aggression, especially on defense. And a lot of these little mistakes and a lot of things that people don't see with regards to busts, misalignments, uh, okay. uh, right. whatever it might be. Uh, the... <laughs> The, the, there was this Derek Jeter documentary on ESPN, and they had Nomar Garcia-Para, the Red Sox back in the day, talking about the 99 ALCS and saying they Yankees won in five games, and Nomar is interviewed, and he goes, well, you know, I think we were the better team. Like, uh, I know we lost, but we were the better team. And then he cut back to Jeter, and he said, that's what losers say. And I, so I don't want to hear anything from Salah about we didn't, you know, we got beat, but we didn't lose, or we lost, but we didn't get beat. And I don't want to hear anything about receipts. Um, we need results, and I need it this week because I know Cleveland, everything I said about Cleveland is I think they could be a competitive team. Uh, they could hang around in the AFC playoff race, but the Jets have no business not being competitive this week. They should absolutely be competitive, and they could win, but it, a lot of that goes back to Joe Flacco and his statue-like ability. This is the first time I've heard you critique Robert Sala in any form. It's, it's on my radar, some of the comments he's making, because it is the type of stuff when a coach is starting to lose control a little bit, and 
We'll see. We'll see. They got to win games. Like this regime has to start winning, and that includes Douglas, but Salah as well. Can can we lose control when when Joe Flacco is is the starting quarterback against the Baltimore Ravens, who we think are a contender? I agree with that, but it's like it's more like the excuses are just they don't cut it at a certain point. Like the the thing (laughs) that Joe Flacco, but when Robert Sala in the summer is telling the media and all Jets fans, Joe Flacco is still a good starting quarterback, and we're very lucky to have him. We think we're going to do great. Well, then you can't really use that excuse if he's tell if he's gassing well, he everybody up about Flacco. He shouldn't have said that to begin with. Yeah. Well, he also said we he Joe also Flacco. said Flacco in week one wasn't as bad as people think he was, and I kind of agree. But and, but the thing that worried about that worried me the most about what Salah said there was we played with great energy and we were the fastest faster team on the field, especially on defense. And right there, I was like, that's what Rex Ryan would have said because you just completely discounted half of the field. Half of the game, the half, by the way, that's more important than the other half, offense. There's no way you were the faster offense. There's no way you were playing with more aggression on offense. You got you, you got handed. And and I don't think it would have been any better with Zach Wilson out there. Like, you got dominated up front. You signed Lake and Tomlinson to a huge contract. He was their worst offensive lineman. He got absolutely destroyed all game. Uh, their rookie right tackle I'd never heard about, or maybe second-year right tackle, played better than their veteran left tackle. So, like, that's where their problems were. And then Joe Flacco's talking after the game that he was concerned that the rest of the crew on offense weren't really going to the huddle with enough energy and gusto. Like, when they would get to midfield, people are just kind of lackadaisically like, saw that. That was walking weird. into huddle. And I'm just like, hmm, I wonder, like – you know, um, like what leader is not inspiring the rest of their teammates to like play with a lot of energy here? Go, go to Owings Mills and tell me how many pictures they have of Joe Flacco in the facility. <laughs> I mean, there's there were some positives though. Like the the young <laughs> cornerbacks look pretty good. I think this will be a close game. I think six and a half is wild. I actually picked the win the Jets to win straight up here. I think they nailed it. I mean, you've fun. got to show that you can stop. Cleveland's ground game because I thought they, I thought Cleveland that was a tough watch against the Panthers but they did should play with energy I thought they I thought to me absolutely like, they, they, they defense they, looked great too they played around Jacoby Brissett but if you can make this a Jacoby Brissett game Jets defensive front you've definitely got a chance it's going to be close that was an awful Jacoby Brissett game though so, I'm not sure there's another type I think I think he's I think we're going to get it on this Sunday. will not yeah. be a quarterback clinic in I Cleveland. think he's been better but there were Sunday. there were two plays where Cooper one, he put a defender on the ground, and another one right. where he was open by 15 feet, and yeah. Jacoby missed some both he's times. He's not going to be that bad like, every single I week. think it's a, a rare game where the Jets don't have a disadvantage at quarterback, and I think their defense Whoa. could be really good. So no, no receipts, results. Let's take a break and finish the draft. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. 
He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of it. Like that. See that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. All right, we're back. Now. Now. Now, now, now. I have my last pick. And I have to grab a late game, so I will grab the Texans at the Broncos. Uh, we heard, by the way, we heard from uh, Bobby Sala in the last uh, segment. I want to hear from Nathaniel Hackett now, the head coach of the Broncos, who on Wednesday, after some more thought, had this to say about his decision to go for the 64-yard field goal at the end of Monday Night Football. Looking back at it, we definitely should have gone for it. Um, just not, not you know, one of those things. You look back at it and you say, of course we should go for it. We missed the field goal. Um, but in that situation, we had a plan. I mean, we had a plan. We knew that the 46 was the mark. Um, okay, so that almost that started off well, that, that comment from me. And I was like, oh, he's owning it and mo- moving on. And then it moved into, I'm sorry if you were offended territory. <laughs> we're saying, oh, yeah, I wish we didn't do that because he missed the kick. So I was a little like, ah, come on, hack it, because I'm, I'm rooting for you. Everyone says this dude's a great dude, and he deserved the opportunity, and, and you want you want to give him a pass for having a bad night, and you should, because it's week one, and it was his first week as coach. But I didn't like the end of that answer. Put it that way. But now he gets it's one a, of the worst debuts a coach has had it's, in it's, memory. It's bad. It was really bad, and. Uh, you know, how many people in the history of the sport have hit a 64-yard field goal? Again, no, it was, it like was two. Next-level so, bizarreness in terms of how you wanted to end that So game. here's the good news. The Broncos now get a clean slate. They get to move away from all that Seattle Seahawks, Russell Wilson drama. They get to go to their building and play at home. They get the Texans, um, who are one of the worst teams in the AFC. And it feels like a perfect spot for the Denver Broncos to wash away a lot of that bad taste out of their mouth. And if they don't, Greggy, if we have another issue where Denver is struggling in the red zone and the offense looks out of sync and they're creating a, a, or committing a bunch of ter- uh, penalties, yeah, I will be very nervous because the head coach and that staff did not have a good week one. Uh, but I do expect them to take care of business here. Yeah, I think they're – 
structure in terms of their timing, getting the plays off on time, Russell Wilson not bringing it down to the end of the clock, like that's massive in red zone. Like just show me that you're not going to be sloppy. I tend to think this will be closer uh, than expected. They're, they're, I think, double-digit favorites. There's a lot of crazy, huge favorites. I'm not ready to go there for a coaching staff in Denver that's so inexperienced. If you look up and down on both sides of the ball, everyone's in a job that they've never had before. Like, it's a totally new coaching staff. And this matchup points out something we probably could do with a few matchups around the league. It, it's a league of sameness defensively, and it bugs me. I want diversity. <laughs> Every team's running the same system, and it's the same sort of system even Pete Carroll was doing last week. Let's just make them work down the field really slowly and check it down underneath and have long drives and try to force them to fit kick field goals and Denver's going to do that and then Houston's going to do that and it's going to like be a lot of short passes and it's like can someone just uh, play a little differently because it, it ends up with close games I, I like that but it's like when every le- team in the league's playing the same scheme it's like well that doesn't seem right I, I hear you on that I, I see that too I for me though we spent all offseason saying it's going to take time for Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson and all these new faces yes. to gel, and we're one game into it. So if they, I don't, if and they, they had four hundred plus yards in like I, eight. Drives. I don't think Russell Wilson played bad. You're, they they need to fix the red zone stuff, and they need to not make a uh, fiery like lightning rod decision at the end of the game that everyone spends a week talking. And they about. had, even though with all the red zone failures, there was one uh, touchdown that got wiped away by a teeny little front of a cleat on the white. They had another one where the receiver came down with his elbow at the half-inch line. Yeah. Great game by the officials, by the way. They were nailing all these calls. Mm. Uh, so it was just one of those, like, perfect storm um, shows for the Broncos on offense. And I, I I, think that it's more likely you'll see a better version rather than us panicking after they score 17 points. Yeah. They just again. so happened to be in the most emotional game in the history of it was funky. Seahawks right. fandom. It's funky as hell. Well, maybe then it's a letdown game and in comes Pep Hamilton and Rex Burkhardt to make it, like, close at the end. Can we, can we get less Rex, yeah, less Rex Burkhardt? And also, yes. uh, you, I went on it. Uh, you know, I was... One second, Justin. I was a little down on the decision to punt with 27 seconds, fourth and three at midfield by Lovey Smith in uh, overtime. I w- then I watched the game, and the Texans had a fourth and three at the Colts' 36 early in the fourth quarter with a 10-point lead and punted. What I mean... <laughs> what year is this? What but decade is that's, this? That's How can Lovie I believe Smith in experience. you? How can I believe in you when you're punting, trying to run out the clock in that situation? Gravedigger, what? Did you guys both just call him Rex Burkhard? Oh, what is it? Rex Burkhard? I, I, I think I said Rex Burkhard. Uh, there was a head in there. Uh, yeah, I, I might have said Burkhard. Let's, Burkhard, let's yeah. see a little respect on his name. This is the high school hero from my football right. life. There it okay. is. Okay. Not Check every game. Check yeah. you later, Greg. Even Lovey did admit though that uh, he was like, "No, we'll we, need, that in post. we need." <laughs> he was like, "We need more Pierce in this game." Uh, all right, now, did you have a last take? Yeah, you had like your arm like a batter, and I if, like it. If it's Lovey saying that you know the defense was gassed, so we punted. If it's Nathaniel Hackett saying we had a plan. If it's Bob Salas saying I think we're faster. I'm okay with you guys being honest. Don't turn into robots and start being like, oh, we play to win. Like, don't do that just because you get criticized for being honest. In the I mean, we do game. get the two weirdest coaching decisions now yeah. clashing with each other. So I think it's going to be Are, intriguing. He, I, I'm not sure what you mean by that, because I think what I was saying was that don't go to the meeting and be like, yeah, it wasn't the right decision. I, I admit it uh, because we missed the kick. 
Didn't yeah. just say, no, I stand right. by he, the decision. He, no, Mc, I mean, McManus went on Twitter immediately after game. He was like, I told him we get to that, alarm, that line, I, I'm good for He's, also, he one, he's yeah. also one for eight over 60. So it's like, Either yeah. Way. Just mean, say, like, yeah, don't give robot answers, but also, like, be real. Be like, no, I stand by the decision. Well, I believed in the also, kicker. It, it didn't work out. Don't waste four minutes going from the 25 to the 45. Well, that, I mean, that's the thing. But that's the, game, the thing. It, the use of the timeout and the setup of the field goal was way less egregious yes. than the than the three minutes before it. Peyton Manning is his forehead's even bigger now. The hairs that were falling out just when he was trying to help through a TV screen on basic cable. Mark, your final draft pick. I am going to uh, pick a team that has captured my heart to some degree. There it is. Spicy. The Carolina Panthers at the New York Giants. Oh, yeah. You're back on the rule train. I love that. You, no, you, no, no. You were such <laughs> a big coach. fan of his to Wrong begin coach. with. I mean, you said you loved, you loved him, and Wrong now Greg. you're actually no. being loyal. We have he nice. gone, no, no, he no. back. It is Brian Dayball, who I think <laughs> oh. has brought complete new life to the Giants. I mean, that kind of a win. Oh. I don't care how it happened. It happened in a weird oh. way. Saquon did it. That's When's the last time the Giants happened. had any yeah. spice? But Saquon, Saquon is set up again for... Super Bowl 46 is the answer. <laughs> Su- Saquon is set up again for a great game. You're talking about a Panthers team yes. that missed 18 tackles last week. And oh. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt went all over them. Mm-hmm. I just like this situation for the Giants. And it, to me, like the New York Giants right now, you're kind of hanging Who around wondering if Daniel Jones is going to make that key error. But he made a couple throws in that game as well last week. And I think if you get made this Made a key version, error also. I said you're going to get a couple terrible yeah. throws. I mean, you're, it's up and down with Daniel Jones. But I like Brian Dayball oh. getting on the sideline and jawing at him and not letting them down, just like coaching him up. I think this is a, a, it was a pretty good game out of Daniel Jones overall. He was, he was, he looked it was Daniel Jones, basically. He looked professional. <laughs> he looked professional. I, to me, I think like I think the Panthers, like I, I just I, you Baker Mayfield last week. I know there were some big plays down the stretch, but they were a tough watch. They were a disaster in the first half, and like Baker Mayfield giving up four fumbles. I mean that that like the center quarterback snap exchange was it was a disaster. You guys coming over to my side on the Baker thing? Is that what's happening? I think uh, you're, you're going to get you're gonna was, good Baker stuff too, but it's just my so point with him was, was like rough. that he wasn't an all-time you know bad quarterback. He just was like a below average starter at worst, or maybe average if everything was perfect. Yeah, yeah. He needs his left tackle to play better. Ekonu really struggled. I know that was against Miles Garrett, but he had a really rough preseason too against some lesser guys like Dietrich Wise of the Patriots. So they, they need him to play better because I thought otherwise their offensive line played better. Look for a big game. I think out of McCaffrey, those Giants linebackers last week were just losing Dontrell Hilliard in coverage and just did look totally lost. And you're thinking ahead to this week, like, ooh, which running back are you going to have to cover uh, this week in coverage? Good night. Those well, they've br- got to use McCaffrey more. If the Browns don't blow two coverages, we, we may be talking about Sam right now. So, I'm going to be honest with you. Well, Sam's out. Sam's out. I'm just saying. We, we might yeah. be talking about P.J. Walker. Yeah. I mean, uh, wait, of all the you know, bad coaching excuses after the fact, Matt Rule actually had by far the most embarrassing this week. He said, and I quote, if you look at our last 35 minutes of the game, we averaged 7.7 yards per attempt. That would be good for top five in the league. Ooh. Okay, so <laughs> – First of all, the first 25 minutes of the game totally count. That's kind of how you measure it. Um, him and, second Sa- of all, him that and in- Salah. That included a, that, 70, a that include that 75-yard Robbie Anderson throw where it's like a blown coverage where if you take that out, then you're right back to mediocre. But the fact that you would bring that up as, as a defense is just... Hey, man. this is uh, Berger from uh, Benson Hurst. 
you know, the Giants, they need a Harry Carson in that <laughs> linebacker group. That's the problem. <laughs> Any Harry Carsons out there? I'll hang up and listen. I'm sure there's a ton out there. Bad vibes. <laughs> if, if this was a vibe bowl, the Giants definitely win. They are slightly favored, which is pretty wild. Uh, they should be. I took the Panthers. Great, Digger. You have something to say here. Let's hear it. Oh, wow. You know, I was so impressed with this Giants team. They knocked off last year's number one Oh, you're in your feelings seed. on this still. Move on, I'm Grave. locking up the Giants. There it is. Because if they beat the Titans, line. they must always no, be good. No, this is more. This is an anti-Carolina take. I think Matt yeah. Rule's time is coming to a close. It's a good lock. Soon. It's uh, it's a good one. It's a good one. The Giants. I don't think it's a good one. Juice. I think it's a terrible lock. <laughs> like a game that a week ago the, they'd be two or three point underdogs. I'm not a huge Panthers. You got fan. the Panthers in this game? I did take the Panthers as a Whoa. coin flip. Oh, you hate the Giants. See, we got a lot of things no, going on here. We no. got 42 and 46 still it's on his mind. And got by, week one on his mind. I just mean they ha- the Giants have a lot of issues. When you watch that Titans game, I still watch it and thought like the Titans would win that eight times out of Admit ten. The this, Panthers uh, have Greg, a lot of issues. Sure. The last two teams with last a lot of five issues. or six years have been enjoyable for you with the Giants. In Ten. flames. Ten. Ten. You're <laughs> Eleven. Not, you're not having um, any ty- – you're not, like, way into the idea of a Giants renaissance. I don't mind this team because if you remember – You're been in a, love with the idea. I've been a pretty big Daniel Jones guy. I like Kadarius Tony. I like them to be watchable. Saquon looked, like, actually better than he ever looked. Maybe. Right. Because even though game. what you said to MJD on Monday on that program – What? 42 and 46, that's going to stick with you. That's going to stick to the ribs forever. They made up for it, you know. If, it, if they had never gotten that fourth title, it would have really, really... Started. You sit on a throne of lies. Or six. All right, let's wrap up the draft here with uh, Greg Rosenthal. All right, we're down to our final game, and uh, it is Colts-Jags. It's a nice final game to get. I, that's the game I would have taken if I wasn't a Jets homer. The only reason I didn't take it was I already had the Colts a week ago as my backup game, and I like to <laughs> diversify. Uh, Your portfolio, as it were. I really do. And... Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's a good game, but a little juice, a little juice. Like the Colts were very vanilla a week ago. We're we're disappointing, and Frank Reich has not won a game yet in Jacksonville. Uh, of course, <laughs> how is that possible? I don't know. They haven't <laughs> won in Jacksonville in eight years. Right? How is that a thing? They've been maybe the worst team in the league outside that one 2017 it's a season. Very strange anomaly. Everything was hard for for both of these offenses, really, especially for the Colts, where just like. It's kind of like the Patriots. Like, you're really earning those eight-yard completions. (laughs) Everyone's covered. You're not going to get any playmaking out of Ryan or deep throws. And I think Matt Ryan will be better, but he made too many mistakes. And Trevor Lawrence, kind of like Tua, I'm not going to overreact to one week. But if you put each of their games, Trevor and Tua, into uh, my 2021 game pass viewing, you wouldn't have noticed any difference. Yeah, It was a lot of... Uh, open misses by Trevor. It wasn't kind of the next level playmaking uh, that you would expect. And it was two or three really nice throws too that get you excited. Two intentional groundings, the forced throw that basically ended the game. Kind of stuff that you need to see kind of go away. He, to me, it's mostly the accuracy though. Just that he misses uh, a way more than average throws. He, he does. And like, I mean, I, I also would say that he would be fairly frustrated by that Travis Etienne screen pass drop right Absolutely. near the end zone. And ETN, I thought, was unimpressive but even, in general. That's a great example. That was a bad throw. Like, what, I, he's no. off. He's off. Yeah, he, it was a little high. It, it could have been way bad better. Throw. It, it, it absolutely, that's that's yeah. sort of what I Gotta mean. Like, good quarterbacks give it right to you there. They don't make their 
running back jump mm. we, with we've a little assumed, extra heat. We've just assumed that's what I that mean. There's going to be this second year leap, and I'm not seeing it yet. He has 13 touchdowns and 18 starts, and I, a lot of that I get. Last year's chaos is, is is the reason for so much of that, but. At what point is he going to make yeah. the play to win the game? The interception at the end was just a bad decision. Too. That was it. That was a nice opportunity for him to get out of the gate strong. And instead, he did look like the guy from last year still. So here's another opportunity at home. Let's see if it can against a team go he a played different well direction. against in week 18. Their defense needs to be better too. They they have the second most expensive defense in the entire NFL. In uh, two of those big signings this offseason, Darius Williams. And in Foye Luacon, we're getting cooked by uh, my guy Scott Turner. Let's check in with the Cincinnati Zoo. Ooh. Hey, heroes. The Wesling brothers are coming off a big win in week one, so we're back for week two. Greg, what's up with you? You want to change the rules of the game? Not only do we have to get the pick right, but we have to get the analysis 100% correct, too? Yes. Doesn't make any sense. Just like you, changing the rules halfway through the game. Ooh, and Dan, dagger. what's up with you calling us the Cincinnati Zoo? That doesn't even make any sense. The Cincinnati Zoo is a world-class organization, <laughs> and we are most definitely not. Mark, keep up the great work. We love you, bro. Thank you. Thank you. This week, we were all over the place again. So maybe the Cincinnati Zoo does work after all. We had five different picks. In the end, we did come to a consensus, and the Colts get right against the Jaguars. Lock it up. I love it. Can't you imagine? Because I remember Wes talking about, like, you know, Sunday dinner, mom would just throw a piece of, like, raw meat down the steps in the basement, and whoever got it ate. Um, Can't you imagine, like, a a bare-knuckle Backyard brawl in one of their backyards. Whoever won got to do the lock of the week. Yeah, I mean, we picked. We said last year that the infighting nearly derailed. I mean, it did derail them ultimately. I'm wondering now if it's just working. Well, it could be like, yeah, it could be like a. Um, it leads to them to all bring the best out of each other, you know, because they all want to be the best. Sometimes they can go the opposite direction. Well, I like what he said to I, me on that on that video. That was nice. I liked so. his uh, Ohio nice. pronunciation of Jaguars too, which is that's a thing. And not not exclusive to Ohio. No, either. it's the it's, South it's like and, and then Ohio. <laughs> Nobody in the um, South. But says yeah, Jaguars. Nick, while you're if you're taking shots, just like. If I'm going to be, you know, get criticizing each week, let's bring a little more energy, too. Oh, yeah, I, think, good, I good think he probably, script, he good probably lines, stopped listening at this point. But I want that oh. Nick energy, you know. And Nick, yeah, I don't have any issue with you coming at me, and you know that's a great nickname for your entire family. <laughs> Shout out, buddy. That's a great line about the Cincinnati. I love you also. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, that's it. That's week two. Uh, this is what's coming up from the show. We have the Friday Fun Show. Uh, which will be one last look before we get to Sunday, having some fun, getting the listeners involved, sharing some spicy takes, going over Thursday night football. So check that out uh, Friday morning, 10 Pacific, 1 Eastern, 6 p.m. London and the surrounding territories. Sunday night, the flagship show. Patrick, you going to get a plug in? You've said it all. Yeah, let's get a little game day view tomorrow. Claybon is the Sunday. newest uh Co-host on Game Day View, so we'll be oh, picking games on yep. Friday like afternoon. It. I think what is when does that air? Five o'clock Pacific, eight o'clock uh, Eastern. Yeah, multiple things with Greg, and then I, I I won't be in the newsroom with y'all on Sunday, but so I'll say it now. Uh, the accusations that Mark Sessler is wavering in his off-season decision are disrespectful to me. I, I trust Mark, and I don't know why you guys don't trust Mark. It, it's, like, weird to me. It's weird. I think what you're saying is wrong. <laughs> I think you don't have the knowledge, institutional knowledge, nope. or the personal knowledge of Mark to come with that strong a take. 
I mean, I think no one, none of you have the enough personal knowledge of Mark to make any takes. Exactly. But oh, you'll I make them anyways. Mark. The I only person that knows what's going on in there is Mark Sessler. <laughs> Does he? Bingo. Is that true? Uh, often true, often <laughs> untrue. Uh, all right. So that's it. Thank you to everybody for listening. Um, and again, remember the Around the NFL live from London. Go to Ticketmaster. Get your seats. It's selling quick. Could be sold out soon. So go get them. Heed the call. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.